Amen. Well, some cool songs right there, right? Yeah, that's good stuff. All kind of the stuff, man. Love songs to God today. We get to gather as the body of Christ. We get to sing love songs to Him. But in this new series that we're talking about, we're, we're talking about love songs, songs that we would often, you know, hey, that's our song. Someone the other day when we were in a creative meeting, one of the guys asked, hey, Mike, Lord, do you all have a song? I was like, yeah, we do. And I had to think about what it was. And so I'll share that with you all later whenever we, uh, maybe we hit that song. But anyway, so today we're going to take a song and we're going to look at the song Stand By Me. And uh, there's, some, there's some cool history of this song that I didn't know about. We did a little research this past week. And uh, the history of the song Stand By Me, most of us know that song. You know, we, we've heard it. But the title is derived from what was inspired was, uh, or, and was inspired by a spiritual written by Sam Cooke and J.W. Alexander called Stand By Me Father. I mean, you, you, some, some of you guys may have known that. Maybe y'all were on, you know, name that tune in one note type deal type people. I don't know. But anyway, it was recorded by the Soul Stirs with Johnny Taylor singing the lead. And it's based on uh, Psalms 46, 1 through 2, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in, in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Now, I want you to listen to this song and see if you can't hear a little bit of similarities between this song that was written as a spiritual, which is written as a, a message about God being there for us and standing by me. Listen to this. Anybody heard that, heard that before? Isn't that cool? I mean, there's some history to that. And so what he's saying, hey, listen, I need you, Jesus. I need you to stand by me. You know, and most of the time when we think of that song, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I think about, you know, standing by, being there, you know, through thick and thin. You know, even the movie Stand By Me, it had a messed up mission in, uh, these guys had, but it was a couple of friends, and the whole story was really about being there for one another, you know, being loyal to one another. And so today I want us to kind of dig in and, and take a look at loyalty. You know, one of those things that we, we often would say that, you know, hey, loyalty is a, is a, it's a missing ingredient this day and age. You know, there's a loyalty to, uh, to one another. There's loyalty to friends. There's loyalty to our jobs. There's loyalty to our churches. There's loyalty to our commitments. And so would you guys agree with me? Do y'all, would y'all feel like that, hey, that is a need in our culture uh, right now is to, for people to be loyal? Would you say that? Raise your hand if you agree with that. You know, I mean, just about everybody in here. You know, and so would you say that there is a, this probably seems to be a lack of loyalty. You look around, you see, you know, there seems to be a lack of loyalty, a lack of follow through, a, lot, a lack of commitment. Does anybody agree with that? Raise your hand if you agree with me on that. All right, so let me ask you this. Would you say that you are loyal? Would you say, hey, man, I, I feel like I'm a loyal person. Raise your hand if you think you're a loyal person, anybody. All right, so this doesn't add up. All right, so we've got disloyalty everywhere, and everybody says that's a problem in our culture. But everybody in here raised their hand and said, hey, man, I'm loyal. Does that add up to y'all? I mean, it doesn't add up. Unless this is, this is the only loyal people in the nation right here. You know, that doesn't add up. But that's what we seem to say. And so I want us to take a look at something. Number one, disloyalty is difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty 
is difficult to see in the mirror. Now, here's the thing. We can see it in other people's lives, right? We can see it in our culture. We can see it in our friends' lives. We can see it in our spouse especially, right? We can see it in other places, but for whatever reason, we have a tough time seeing it right here. You know, we, we look in the mirror, and it's kind of like the old thing. Hey, we can point things out with other people, but we forget there's more fingers pointing at us, right? But we have a tendency to see it in someone else, but we can't see it in ourselves. And, and this, it, this is something that Peter wrestled with. You know, this passage here out of Matthew 26, 33 through 35, Peter declares, and most of us know the story, Peter declared, Jesus, even if, if everyone else deserts you, I, I will never desert you. I'll never leave. I'll never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me, deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I had to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. I wonder if they all raised their hands and said, hey, I'm loyal. It's easy to say, isn't it? It was easy to raise your hand. The tough thing is, is literally, literally proving it. You know, the proof's in the pudding type thing. And so here, you know, Peter said, hey, Jesus, if everybody else abandons you, if everybody else leaves, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I'll be here. I'll be loyal. I'll be faithful. I will be here no matter if death comes, I'm here. And think about, the, you know, the, just the whole, the, the vision, if you think about it, or the picture. You know, Jesus has been arrested. He's... He's, you know, he's being questioned and all this stuff, and and Peter's kind of hiding in the shadows, and someone hears him, and they say, hey, a little a girl says, hey, weren't you with him? And, you know, she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, she, he denies him, and he does it three times. He even gets to the point of cursing. I don't know that blankety-blank. And he hears the cock crow. You can imagine how Peter felt. You know, Jesus may, maybe made, makes eye contact with him across the way. And says, see, I knew that you wouldn't be loyal. And so it's easy to say that we're loyal. It's easy to raise our hand. It's easy to claim that. It's easy to kind of just give it lip service. You know, just words are cheap. But action, the proof is in the pudding. We've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, you know, I want to be loyal. I think all of us want to be loyal. I don't know why we wouldn't want to be. It's a great quality. I even heard uh, something not too long ago on uh, Way FM where... The guy was saying one of the most attractive qualities in people is loyalty. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're an employer, you want loyal employees. If you're a husband and wife, you want a loyal spouse. If you're a friend, you want a loyal friend. You know, we've often said, hey, if you want a great friend, be a great friend, right? If you want a loyal friend, be a loyal friend. And so we want those things. We want those qualities. We want loyalty to be something that we're known for. But it doesn't seem that way. In our culture. And so here's the thing. True, lo- true royalty or true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Easy to proclaim things. Easy to say things. But true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. It says many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Proverbs 20, verse 6. And so loyalty, look at the definition of loyalty. It says loyalty is to wholly trust or believe in to be permanent to be permanent, unwaveringly faithful. Wouldn't you love for that to be said about your marriage? In, in this culture, you, know, you guys know the stats. I mean, more than 
half the marriages will end in divorce. I tell young people that all the time or couples that I'm meeting with. I say, hey, listen, just so you know, the statistics show that half the marriages will end in divorce. You know, and that's, that's, that's a tough number. You know, and, and a lot of times they say, well, yeah, we're getting married in the church. Does it matter? The people who sit in churches who understand what God says about marriage, what God says about divorce, all those things, they still, uh, you know, end up ending in divorce. But, and a lot of times it's because of lack of loyalty. It's a disloyalty. It's a lack of follow-through. It's a lack of dying to self. It's a lack of, uh, you know, pursuing and chasing one another. We end up chasing someone else. And, and so this lack of loyalty, loyalty, Lack of loyalty ends up leading to a lot of divorce in our country, even in the church. I shared with someone the other day, to give you just some encouragement with that negative news, is for a, a couple who prays together, who spends time doing devotions together, who worships together, you know, and, and, and is committed to their marriage, the likelihood of them ending, uh, you know, dying, growing old together and staying married goes up to like 90-something percent, almost 100 percent. Not 100 percent, but almost there. And so it's a lot of what you put into it. In other words, it's, it's not just a proclamation. It's not what you proclaim. It's what you prove, right? That, hey, I'm committed to my marriage. I'm willing to fight for my marriage. I'm willing to invest in my marriage. I am willing to die to self. That's what says, hey, you know what? I'm loyal. And so to identify, let me, say, let me read it again. Loyalty is to wholly trust or believe in to be permanent, unwaveringly faithful. And there's a statement I, I heard. I saw this uh, just doing some reading, it says, you don't earn loyalty in a day, you earn loyalty day by day. It's with consistency. It's that steady, moving forward, being there. It's not, hey, what we claim, you know, it's not how high you jump, it's how steady you walk. You know, and so, so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, I want to be steady, I want to be consistent, I want to be faithful, I want to be loyal, I want to be permanent in this marriage. I want to be permanent in this relationship, in this friendship. And so there's a story where King David had a son, Absalom, and Absalom had ended up uh, rebelling, and he was, uh, you know, he, there was some dysfunction junction going on in his family for sure. But King David was the king, and, and Absalom had, uh, had been brought back, and he was being restored or whatever. And, and Absalom would kind of sit out at the, the city gate, and he would kind of undermine, if you would, the king. You know, King David had not met with him in two years. He had an issue with that. He was bothered by that. He, you know, tried to get, you know, the, you know, king to set up a meeting he ended up kind of burning a guy's fields to kind of get some attention he said why did you do that he said hey if the king doesn't want me here then you know why am i here why doesn't he just find me guilty of something kill me whatever let's get it over with and so absalom ends up working at the gate and he would say people would come to see the king and he would tell them you know pretty much undermine undergird if you would the the, the king and he would he would just kind of undermine him destroying his character talking about him but he would always play ear music to them. He would tell them, hey, well, if I were the king, this is what I would do. And, and so he kind of would kind of build them up, kind of say, hey, you have a great story. You have a great case. And then oftentimes they would go to bow down to him and say, no, 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 no. And he would take their hand. He would kiss them. And he would just tell them they were all that. And so he began to create some loyalties, if you will, with the people towards him but against the king. And so Absalom goes off and he asked the king, he said, hey, can I go and give sacrifices on a commitment that I made with the, with the Lord. And so he goes and what he does he, while he's out, he ends up sending letters to all these people that he's built these loyalties with for him. Say, hey, listen, I want you to be with me. Whenever you hear the ram's horn blow, I will be the king. In other words, he goes, there's going to be an overthrow, and I want you to be a part of this. And so there's this group that's coming back 
And they're coming after the king. They're coming after King David. The, the King David that we read in Scripture that has a, was a man after God's own heart. And so Absalom is leading this group coming. And so David hears that they're coming. He says, man, we've got to get out of here. We've got to clear out. He said, it'll be better for our family. It'll be better for Jerusalem. You know, everybody needs to, we just need to leave. So he gathers up his, his people and he begins to leave. And even the people of Jerusalem are weeping. They're weeping as they see David fleeing. They see David going by. They're, they're, he's taking the Ark of the Covenant with him. You know, and, and David said, hey, listen, send the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. If God allows me to see it again one day, then so be it. But you know what? It's up to God. I trust him. And so there's a guy that is there. And this is a cool passage. This is in 2 Samuel. If you, you want to go back and read the story, 2 Samuel 15. It says, The king then turned and said to Atta, a leader of the men from Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Etai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my lord the king goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. Well, he was saying, hey, listen, if it costs me my life, I'm good with that. I'm with you. He was loyal. He was a, he was a mercenary. He really had no, he, he didn't have to be going with the king. He didn't have to flee with him. He could have stayed. But he said, hey, listen, King David, I am with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Whether it costs me my life, whether I live, I'm with you. Now, I don't know about you guys, and I know there's a lot of military families in here, but those are the kind of guys you want in a foxhole with you. They say, hey, you know what, no matter what, I'm here. And wouldn't it be nice, you know, to feel like, hey, in life, that I've got a friend that no matter what I'm going through, maybe my marriage is going through some tough times, they're not checking out, they're not leaving, they're not bailing. Maybe I'm going through some tough times, you lose your job, maybe you're going through some tough times financially, and they're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm kind of backing off because I don't want him asking me for money type deal. But you got somebody who's there with you in the thick and the thin of things. That's what this guy was. And wouldn't it be nice to know that you had a friend like that? Are you that friend? Are you there? You stick through thick and thin no matter what. You know, and so we look at that and we say, you know what? Loyalty is a good thing. Loyalty is a positive thing. It's not, it's not, it's not about being proclaimed. It's about being proven. And so have you proven to be a loyal friend, a loyal spouse, a loyal whatever? And so I want to give you some opportunities here. Here are some opportunities for disloyalty. We've seen what loyalty looks like. We go, you know what? That's a great quality. All of us have said there's a great need. And all of us in this room think that we're loyal. So let's look at what disloyalty looks like and see where we really fall in that category. And so here's, here's a place. Opportunity for, for disloyalty would be to your spouse. To your spouse. You know, there's, there's a lot of marriages here in the room. And I understand there's some of you that have been divorced. I understand there's some of you that have been divorced maybe multiple times. So I want you to listen to this, and maybe today you go, you know what? I want to be loyal from this point forward. And so some opportunities for disloyalty. So number one is to your spouse says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Malachi 2, 15 through 16. All right, so one of the things I tell our staff around here all the time is, hey, guys, I want you to be sure you guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's what Scripture says. 
So guard your heart. Don't let, you know, don't let Satan get in there. Don't let Satan plant some seed. Don't let him, you know, fire these fiery darts towards your heart, man. Guard it with the, the shield of faith. And so what we've got to be willing to do is we've got to be willing to guard our heart. And here's the second thing. You've got to be willing to guard your marriage. Satan loves to destroy marriage. That's the reason we see so many marriages fall. You might think, well, you know, Mike, it's, it's not Satan. It's really my spouse. You just don't know my ex or whatever. I'm just telling you, Satan wants to destroy marriage. The very picture that we see of Christ in the church is the bride and the groom. I don't know if you can picture that. So whenever he destroys marriage, it looks like, hey, you know what? Satan's winning. He's not. He does not win in the end at all. And, and so what we see is we see that, the, that our, our marriages are under attack. So I tell our, our, our pastors and our staff right here, man, guard your marriage. Guard your heart, guard your marriage, and guard your ministry. But more important than your ministry is your marriage. If your marriage is not right, you really don't have an effective ministry. So you've got to be willing to guard your heart. You've got to be willing to guard your marriage. I would say that to any of you. Guard your heart and guard your marriage. Guard your heart and guard your marriage. Make sure that your, your marriage is where it needs to be. Look at what it says again. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So if you're married, God made you one with your wife. It's not the two shall become one. It's not no longer two. It's not him and her. It's us. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. There's loyalty. Remain loyal to her. For I hate divorce, says the Lord. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. And see, that sounds just the opposite of to wholly trust or believe in, to be permanent, unwaveringly faithful. That's loyalty. To guard your heart, do not be unfaithful to your wife. So here's some ways, if you want to be disloyal, here's some things you could do. You could have an affair. About 62% of the marriages end up having an affair. Somebody in that, that equation has an affair. You know, and, and so, you know, you can say, well, you know, Mike, that's, that's pretty common. It's everywhere. Yeah, that's what the world does, but that's not what Jesus teaches. It's not what he, it's not what he commanded us to do. It's not what God teaches. God says that he wants us to be faithful and loyal to the wife of our youth, to our husband, if you're the wife. And so you could be disloyal by having an affair. You could talk negative about your spouse. You could run them down. You could belittle them to your buddies. I had a friend of mine who used to talk about his wife. He'd say, the old mule. And I'd be like, dude, you cannot talk like that about your wife. He goes, oh, she don't care. She knows I'm kidding. And they're divorced. I used to tell him all the time, I'd say, hey, listen, man, you need to speak life over your wife. You need to build her up. You need to encourage her, affirm her. But what he did is he belittled her and he put her down and he wasn't loyal to her. So you could do the same. You could be negative. You could talk negative about your spouse. You could talk negative about how they are, wish that they were somebody different. You could belittle them. You could put them down. Or you could just lust after other people. Some of you guys could lust after someone. Maybe she looks better than your wife. Maybe she, you know, she doesn't have the baby pounds yet or whatever. You could lust after her and you could be disloyal to your wife. Or some of you ladies could be disloyal to your husband. You could focus on what somebody else has done, what they've aspired, what they've accomplished, and desire that and literally lust after that. You could flaunt what you've got. You could dress in clothes that are revealing, that show off more than what you're supposed to be showing to anybody else but only to your spouse. So therefore you could be disloyal in that way. And I know, you know, people, you know, we always hear, you know, these are just cute clothes. I remember when Laurie and I were dating, Laurie came out in a, a little skirt that uh, she, and I said, hey, listen, I don't know if you need to be wearing that tonight, because we were just dating, and I said, uh, and I said, uh, that's, that's a little bit uh, probably too much, and she goes, it's just a cute outfit. I said, to you it is. I said, to me it's a struggle. You know, I said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's a struggle. And uh, we're trying to keep our thoughts pure. We're trying to keep our, our hands to ourselves. It was one of those things where, like, hey, listen, I don't need you to dress like that. And she, was, she thought I was kind of over the top. 
And that's the way guys are. We are visually stimulated ladies. And so whenever you dress, hopefully you're dressing to impress your husband, not someone else. Therefore, you are being disloyal to him. And so you're dressing to impress him. You're not showing everything to everybody else. And guys, I would say the same thing. If you're trying to dress to impress the ladies, everybody's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, and that's your mentality, and you want everybody to look at you, especially the women, you're being disloyal. And so Laurie ended up changing the way that she dressed. She said, I, I can't dress that way. She goes, I feel like I'm defrauding my brother. I said, that's exactly what Scripture teaches. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, Lord, I want to be loyal to my spouse. And so we could lust after others. We could... We could divorce them. That's what everybody else does, it seems. At least half the people, right? So if we wanted to be disloyal, we could just divorce them. We could say that it's really their fault because they never would change or whatever, rather than that, you know what, I have a part in this. We could leave them. We could abandon them. Let me just say this, you know, and, and guys, I want you to hear what I'm saying on this. Through, throughout the years that I've done counseling, there's often times whenever I'll be sitting with a couple and the woman, the lady, is going... He abandoned me. And I said, well, tell me what that looks like. What do you mean by that? And she said, well, we were in an argument, and he, he got up, and he just left. And he got in the car, and he left. And so oftentimes to a lady, to a woman, when it, guys, when you get up and you say, hey, well, listen, I'm getting out of here, and you leave, you've abandoned her. You say, man, I was just going to clear my head. I was just trying to get my thoughts right. You know, we were not getting anywhere. I thought it was going to get, you know, more heated. So I was just going to get out of there. But in her mind, you abandoned her. You may not agree with that, but I'm just saying that's what she felt. That's what she thought. And so if you wanted to be disloyal to your spouse, you could just abandon them, leave them. And scripturally, God says, hey, you know what? It's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be there for one another. So we could abandon them. We could put anything and everything above our marriage. Then you're being disloyal to your marriage. You could put your career. You say, well, you know, I, I'm trying to provide for the family. So it's all about the career. It's not about my marriage. It's about my career. It's not about my marriage. It's, it's about me getting these accolades, these trophies, these papers on the wall. You can, be, you, can, you can make it about your education and put it above your marriage. Anything that you put above your marriage, if you're married, you're being disloyal to your spouse other than Christ. Jesus is the only thing that should be first in your life above your marriage. And so if it's your hobbies, you're being disloyal. If it's anything, if it's your car, your hobby, whatever it might be, your house... If it's anything, you're being disloyal to them. So there's great opportunities in our marriage to be disloyal, right? We can belittle them. We can put, that, put them down. We can talk about them. Let me, and let me just say this. Every, you know, every woman wants to be cherished and pursued and romanced and cared for. You know, and, and so, guys, I just want you to understand, when we don't meet those needs, we're, we're missing out on what we committed to do when we said our I, I do's. When we shared our vows, and ladies, the same thing. You say, hey, listen, you're the only one for me. You're the only one that I will have eyes for. You're the only one that I will dress for. When you do those things, we say those vows, it's not just a pretty part in the ceremony. Hopefully, it is a, it is a covenant that we establish for the Holy God. It is a covenant we establish with our spouse, and we mean them, and we choose. And we, Here's the thing. We should be choosing to be loyal to those commitments and loyal to that spouse. Here's another area for opportunity to be disloyal to your friends. It says a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. So how can we be disloyal to our friends? What if we just gossip about them? What if, you know, not, maybe not to their face. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that, right? You wouldn't want to gossip about them to their face. But whenever you get around other friends, you know, you run them down. You belittle them. You kind of stab them in the back a little bit. 
you know, and, and maybe it's because you want to be better friends with this friend than with them, at least for the moment. Maybe they got something that you want to be a part of or whatever. Maybe they, you know, I don't know, maybe they're going somewhere doing something you want to do. So you belittle this other friend the best of your ability. That's being disloyal. Maybe you don't love them enough to tell them the truth. You know, I always joke about, you know, the American Idol tryouts. Like some of these parents did not love their kids a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, somebody had to love those people enough to say, hey, listen, you cannot sing at all. You know, and hey, listen, I love you and I'll get you into some other kind of little tryout. But that one is not for you. I mean, you're going to end up on national TV and everybody's going to be laughing at you. Do you really want that? I mean, you got to love people enough to tell them the truth, right? And so sometimes, you know, we need a friend who loves us enough to say, hey, listen, man, you're destroying your marriage. What you're doing, you know, what you're saying about your wife, what you're saying about your husband, man, you're destroying them. You're being disloyal to them. And so we've got to love them enough to confront them. There are times when we see somebody messing up and we go, you know what, I don't want to get involved. And so we just kind of back off. And here's the thing, you're not a loyal friend. You've you got to know when to say something. You've got to know how to say something. But here's the thing, biblically, the Bible says that we've got to be willing to go to our brother. We've got to care enough to do something about it. And you've got to have the courage to speak the truth and to love them enough. And here's the thing, I always tell people, man, try to surround yourself with people that love you. People that love your marriage, people that love your family, and they want to see you healthy and whole. Surround yourself with somebody like that. And here's the thing, you'll most likely have somebody that's loyal. They're loyal to pray for you. They're loyal to ask you, hey, how are you doing? They're loyal to ask you, hey, what are you not doing that you need to be doing? And so if we want to be disloyal to our friends, that's all we have to do. It's just not even check on them. Just kind of avoid them. Here's the other thing, we can get mad and we can stay mad. If you want to be disloyal to a friend, maybe they do something that offends you. Maybe they invited somebody to something they didn't invite you. And you kind of get a little, you know, hurt feelings about that. Or maybe you felt like, you know what, they were wanting to be friends with this person more than you. So you just tell, you know what, I'm done with them. And you get mad and you stay mad. And then you want to come up in church and you want to worship. And you really can't worship what Scripture says whenever you have an issue with someone. The Bible says if you realize that you have an issue with a brother, then go to that brother, make things right, then come back, and then you can worship. Then you can sing love songs to God, and you can sing love songs to Jesus because your heart's right. But if you're sitting in here today and you've got an issue with somebody that you have said, you know what, I'm mad at them, I hate them, I'm angry or whatever, and you're not dealing with that, your worship is only bouncing off the ceiling at times. You've got to be willing to say, God, I want to get my heart right. I want to make sure that, you know what, that I have been loyal to this person, and I want to make sure that I am right with them. Now, you don't have to hang out from that point forward, but you do have to get rid of the sin and the bitterness and the anger that's in your heart. So we have an opportunity to be disloyal to our spouse, to our friends. And here's the last one, to Christ church. We already talked about that the marriage itself is a picture of, God, of God's love for us. Man, he sent Jesus. The, the, he's, he's the groom. The church is the bride. It says, this is out of Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42, 44 and through 46. And this is a picture of the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they were devoted. They were faithful. They were loyal to the teachings of Christ. They were loyal to the church. And so, you know, maybe you say, all right, so Mike, Hey, man, I, I believe that Christ's church is important. But are you loyal to it? Are you loyal to the commitments that you make? So here's the thing. If you want to be disloyal to Christ's church, don't honor your commitments. 
Don't honor your commitments to be faithful here. You know, every time we do a Connect class, it's kind of our membership class. Every time I do that Connect class, I kind of go over what the expectations are. You know, and, and people, I think, sometimes think, well, that, that's Mike's expectations. They're not mine. Does anybody know who they might be? They're Jesus' expectations. It's what he expects for someone who says, I'm a follower of Christ. He expects us to be a part of a local church. He expects us to gather over and over throughout Scripture. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, but all the more gather together and encourage one another and build each other up and spur each other on towards love and good deeds. So over and over and over, we see that in the Scriptures. So whenever I say, hey, listen, man, it's important for you to be here. It's important for you to be in a life group where you're connecting with other believers so that you can what? You can spur one another on so you can encourage one another, so you can build each other up, so you can pray for one another. I talk about it all the time. You know, we have a group of people that pray during the services, and at the top of these steps back here, there's usually someone sitting back there who is praying and interceding for every one of you guys and for me. They're praying for God to move. We had a young lady give her life to Christ in the first service, and I walked up there, man. We just embraced, and I said, hey, dude, you know, you're a part of that, that decision that was made. And so we have an, an opportunity to gather, to connect, to pray together, to, like Wednesday night, we're doing First Wednesday, to do communion together. But in this day and age, that's uncommon. I saw a stat this past week where the average Christian American attends church one Sunday a month. It's the first time I've heard that. Normally, everyone says the average American Christian attends every other Sunday. And let me just say this. The average member, member, not a regular attender, not somebody who's just checking out the church, the average member attends every other Sunday. And so now they're saying the average American Christian attends one Sunday. Sunday a month. So don't honor your commitment to live out your faith according to what Jesus taught. Because Jesus said, hey, listen, the world will know that you're my followers by the way that you love one another. That means caring for one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. So Jesus said, hey, listen, the whole world will know that you're my followers by doing those things and by the fact that you follow my teaching. And so if we don't want to honor Christ, if we don't want to honor the church, then here's the thing is don't do those things. And so here's another thing. Don't encourage others. Don't serve others. Don't make it about serving anybody else. Make it about serving you. You know, make it about, you know what, I I don't like those donuts, you know. I want a different brand. I want Krispy Kreme, chocolate covered, whatever. You know, I want raspberry filled. You know, whatever. Make it about me. Make it about what I want. You know, I don't like the temperature in here. I wish it was a different temperature. I, I don't like the music. I wish the music was more my style. Rather than coming in with a mentality, you know, God, I'm the church. It's not this building. See, I think people have this mentality that you go to church. You don't go to church if you're a believer. You're what? You are the church. The church goes when it walks out the door. This is just a gathering place. This is a building. It's an incredible tool. But we are the church. So as we are going, we are taking the message of the gospel through how we act, through how we respond to people, through our loyalty. And so if we want to be disloyal to the church, just don't honor your commitments. Make it about you. Make it a consumer mentality, not a giving mentality not a contributor mentality don't serve others don't carry out the great commission don't share your faith you know just attend sporadically like most people do be a consumer not a contributor that's an easy way to just say you know what i'm just going to be i'm going to be faithful to uh, I'm, I'm not going to be loyal to the church and, th- and this last part here i think is the key disloyalty is born out of a divided heart Disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. We've heard what loyalty is, and we go, you know what, that's what I want to be. Everybody in this room thinks they are already. 
But let me ask you, whenever I talk about disloyalty, do you feel like those represented or kind of identified uh, you more than maybe loyalty did? That kind of hurts your feelings, doesn't it? Because it hurts mine. Because I'll be honest with you, whenever I thought about loyalty this week and I thought, man, am I loyal? Am I loyal? You know, God, you've been loyal. God, you've been faithful. God, you have been there. You, Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he backs it up. Peter said he was loyal, but he wasn't there. He bailed. He, he cleared out. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Everybody scatters. But Jesus is faithful. He was faithful to go to the cross for you and for me. He was faithful to bleed out his blood for you and for me. For my sins, for my unfaithfulness, for my cheating, for my lying, for my stealing. So he was faithful to go to the cross. He was faithful to lay down his life. No one forced him on a cross. He laid down. He chose to lay down his life. He was faithful to pay the price for the sins of the world. When we share in communion, one of the things we talk about is the blood of Christ, which washes away the sins of the world. That's yours and that's mine. And so, look at this passage here in James 4, 8, and 9. God asks for all of our heart. Not a divided heart, but all of our heart. We go back to the Great Commission. You know, hey, go out, love people enough to go and do what I say. And then someone asked, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said to love God with all of your heart, all of it, all of your, your mind, your soul, and your strength, everything that's in you. With every ounce of your being, love God. And so look at what it says here. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. I had a friend of mine, and I've shared a story many times. He was a blind evangelist. His name is Dean Collar. We joked around. We called him Dancing Dean. And so I met him in Africa. Dean was blind. He would... He's one of those guys that, uh, man, he just, he went all over the world on missions. He still does. And, uh, can't see. He, he lost his eyesight about, uh, 15 or 20 years ago. And, uh, he still travels the world. And, uh, and I asked him one time, I said, man, how in the world do you travel to Africa not being able to see? He said, Mike, he said, we're, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm like, okay, he got me. You know, good one. And so anyway, he was staying at our house. He was speaking here at Journey Church. And the cool thing is he's teaching out of the Gospel of John. And as he's teaching, he would be teaching, he would stop, and he would kind of cover a point. And, of course, you know, we're thinking he's got it memorized. And all of us probably going, or he, he ain't going to remember where he, he dropped, left off. And, dude, he would pick right back up, and he would keep going. So he had the, he had the scriptures memorized. And so he would, he would have the, the text memorized, you know. And, and man, he was, he was living it out. He was walking by faith. He didn't have sight, but he was walking by faith. And so he stayed at our house, and one night we were, we were driving back to the church. And, and he said, Mike, he said, I want to speak to you about something. He said, I notice sometimes when you talk to Laurie, you talk in such a harsh tone that you crush her spirit. And I said, Dean, I said, I, I said, man, I, I appreciate that. And, but, man, at first I was embarrassed and I was broken. I began to weep. And I'm sure if he could hear her voice, you know, being broken or her spirit being broken, he could hear my tears. He could hear my brokenness over what I had done. It wasn't intentional, but it was one of those things where he called me out. He loved me enough to call me out. He loved me enough to tell me the truth. And I said, Dean, I appreciate that. And so whenever I, I talked to Laurie that night, I said, hey, listen, this is what Dean said. And she goes, it's true. And so with tears, I, I went to her and I asked her to forgive me. But I was broken. And, and listen to this again. It says, 
Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be tears flowing from your, your eyes, man, where you're broken over your sin. Now, I think sometimes we justify our sin. We justify our lack of loyalty. But what God is saying, hey, listen, I love, I desire a broken and contrite spirit. So God's not wanting you to justify your sin. That's what we do a lot of times. We say, Mike, you just don't know my ex-husband. You don't know my ex-wife. You don't know how my friends are. I don't. God does. But he also knows your heart. And so here it says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Have you ever grieved over something? Maybe something that you've done. You know that it was wrong. You know that it hurt people. You know that it hurt a lot of people. Maybe it affected your marriage. Maybe you cheated on your wife or you cheated on your husband. And you realize, hey, it didn't just affect that one person. It affected our kids. It affected her mother, her dad, my mom, my dad. It affected families. It affected friends. It affected a lot of people. And here's the thing. It, it grieved you to the point of maybe tears. Maybe to the point you couldn't stop crying. I mean, like all day long you're crying. Every time you think about it, you weep. And you're just grieved. See, that's what God is saying. Don't justify your sin. But man, weep over what you've done. Be broken over your sin. Turn to me and what he's saying, hey, listen, I'll wash away those tears. I'll put in you a new spirit. I'll put in you a new heart. I'll put in you a freshness. I'll put in you joy. If we'll confess our sins and if we're faithful to just ask him, God, will you forgive us? And he says, yes, I will. God is faithful and just, and he will cleanse us of every unrighteousness. And I know a lot of times, you know, Satan's whispering in your ear, hey, don't ever say anything. Don't let anybody know. And here's the thing, God knows, and you know. And a lot of the tears that you cry is because you're hiding the sin that needs to be confessed, repented of, and given to God. Look at what it says here in 2 Timothy. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. I love it when it starts with that. It says, if we die with him, we will also live with him. When we die to self, we crucify the flesh, we will also live with him. When we die to self and we surrender to who Christ is, we will live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Isn't that an awesome picture? If we are unfaithful, if we're unfaithful, and here's the thing, we have been unfaithful. We've been unfaithful. Let me tell you, when it talks about living, you know, with a divided heart, as I read that, I go, man, God, I do. I've got a divided heart. There's, there's things that I desire at times that I know, that, hey, that's not of God, that's of this world. And I've got to be willing to say, God, I, want to, I don't want to love those things more than I love you. I don't want to spend more time on those things, God, than I do with you. You know, it's the same way in our, in our homes. Do, do, we, do we live with a divided uh, heart towards our, our spouse? Our hobbies more important than our spouse? Our kids are more important than our spouse? You're still being disloyal. He's like, Mike, that's what you're supposed to do. No, that's what the world says. The world says put your kids first. That's not right. The, the Bible says to put God first, your marriage second, and then your kids will come after that. That's the biblical pattern, but the world says it's not that way. So is your heart divided? You know, or hey, am I 
wanting to be a Christian, I'm wanting to be a follower, but I don't want to give up what the world has to offer, what the world says. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. This is what I love is when we were yet sinners, and that's all of us in this room, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was faithful. I go back to the beginning of Scripture and I follow it to the end of Scripture and I see that God was pursuing us, wanted a relationship with us over and over. He was doing everything he could to get us and draw us close. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be in a right relationship with you. And so a couple of next steps down here today. Choose today through the power of Christ to love your spouse, to be loyal to your spouse. And there may be some of you in this room that you're considering divorce. Maybe it keeps popping up, keep thinking about it. I'm just telling you that's the evil one. That's the world teaching you something that God is not teaching you. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I want you to give me a love. Notice what I said. I didn't just say, hey, I want, you, I want to work at it, but through the power of Christ to be loyal to your spouse, to love them, to pursue them, to cherish them, to, to build them up with our words, to serve them, to care for them. You know, to go out of our way, to die to what we want for what they want. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, show me how to be loyal to my spouse, how to be loyal to them. Here's another one. Choose today through the power of Christ to be a loyal friend. If you want great friends, a lot of times we always talk about, hey, I don't have any real friends. Maybe you're not a real friend. Usually someone who is a great friend has great friends. And maybe today you say, God, I want you to change me. I don't have any friends. Not any that I would call a real friend. That would stick through thick and thin. And so, God, I want, I want to ask you, if you would, through the power of Christ, change me today. Change me today. Look at the last one. Choose today to surrender to Jesus Christ. Choose today to surrender. Quit trying to make it on your own. Quit trying to work harder. Quit trying to just figure it out. Quit trying to blame it on everybody else. But come before God broken. And go, God, I'm, I'm in need of a heart change. Let me read this passage up here from James one more time. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done, and let there be sorrow and deep grief. You know, let me tell you, you can't fix some of what's broken in you, but Jesus can. I can't fix what is broken in you, but Jesus can. And let, me, and let me say this. If we will just open up, and if we will surrender, God will begin to do spiritual surgery in our hearts, and He'll begin to illuminate, and He'll be able to show certain areas of our life that show disloyalty more than loyalty. And for some of you in this room today, it's already glaring. It's just like God put it on that screen up there. He wrote your name and what that disloyalty might be. And you know it. And so here's the thing. Satan's telling you, hey, listen, man, if you can just get out of the service, if you can just get out of here, just don't do anything yet. But what God is saying, hey, listen, it's time to do business. He said, listen, it's time for you to confess your sins. It's time for you to repent of your sins. And it's time for you to let me bring healing to these relationships. If God has moved in your heart, don't put it off. There may be some of you in this room, you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never 
been saved. You've never asked Christ to forgive you of the sins you've committed. You have been unfaithful. He has been faithful. And you've never received the forgiveness that comes through what Christ did on the cross. His faithfulness to go to the cross. You've never received that gift. And so today, that may be your greatest need is to be saved by the blood of Christ, by your faith in what Christ has done. Then receive that today. And here's the thing. That's when the healing begins. And here's the thing. God will give you the strength and the power and the ability to be able to walk in loyalty, in faithfulness, in newness. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I don't know what God may be speaking to you about or dealing with you about today. But ask yourself, have I been loyal? Have I been loyal to the teachings of Christ? Have I been loyal to my spouse? Have I been loyal to my friends? Have I been loyal to God's church? Have I been loyal to my commitments? Have I been loyal to my employer? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never been saved. You've never had your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life to never be erased. So today you go, you know what, Mike, that's my need. I need to accept Christ. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I don't fully understand what that means yet, Mike, but I know I need Jesus. That's all I can say. I need Jesus today. And I want to be saved. If that's you, I want to walk you through a simple prayer. Right where you say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you laid down your life. You were faithful to me when I was unfaithful. You paid for my sins with your life, with your blood. And so, Jesus, I want to ask you, if you will, to come and live within me. With all the faith that I have, Jesus, I'm asking you to come and live within me, to forgive me. And I want to be faithful from this point forward. I want to be loyal to you. I want to follow you. I want to be a follower of Christ. If that is your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. I, I just put my faith in Christ for salvation. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Just say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Just just raise your hand. Raise it high where I can see it. I just, man, I just want to pray for you. Anybody else? Jesus, I, I, I just gave you my life. I, I, want, to, I want to live for you. If you raise your hand, nobody else is looking. If you raise your hand, I want you to look up here. If you believe that Christ can save you, and you just prayed that prayer with all the faith that's in you, you're his child. You're part of his family. You're part of the church. You believe that? That's all it takes is believing with everything that's in us. And the Bible says that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're his child. You're part of his family. You're part of his church. You're part of the mission that he wants to accomplish. All right? Man, we want to walk with you as a church, too. We, if you will, come back to the VIP room. We want to walk with you. There may be others of you that raised your hand. Maybe I didn't see your hand, but here's the thing. God sees your heart. And let me just say this. I know there's a lot of people in this room that are maybe feeling conviction today about not being loyal. Haven't been faithful. Maybe you haven't been loyal to your wife. Maybe you haven't been loyal to your husband. It's time for things to change. Maybe you haven't been loyal to your friends or to your church. It's time for things to change. And so I want, to, I want to give you that opportunity. Just right now, right where you're at, just say, God... Today, I confess these sins that you've shown me all through this service. Jesus, I want to 
I want to repent. I want to quit living that way. And I want to live for you. And so Jesus, I need your power. I need your Holy Spirit walking with me. And he promises he's there. But you know what? You've got a part in it as well. You've got to make a choice. You've got to choose to be loyal today to the teachings of Christ. Father, I thank you for meeting with us. I thank you for this one that has put their faith in Christ. I thank you for the one in the first service, God, that you continually are, are saving souls here at Journey Church. God, I thank you for that. God, help us to be faithful as a church, as the, as the body of Christ. God, that we remember this is not the church, this building. We are the church. And so, God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, every one of us will be reminded that we are on mission and that we represent Christ if we're followers, if we're believers, if we're Christians. And so, God, use us for your purposes this week. I pray for these life groups, God, that we would be intentional about getting up and walking over and finding someone to connect with. But, Father, and begin to be, be that friend to someone. And, God, maybe that you would put someone in our life that could be that loyal friend. God, help us to be faithful to our marriages. I pray, that, I pray for every marriage in this room today that they would choose to sign up for the Pursue God Marriage Conference. They would invest in their marriage. They would guard their marriage. They would not let anything, I don't care what it might be, Lord Father, get in the way of them working at guarding and protecting their marriage. Father, help them to see the value of that. And God, we just, we just thank you for what you're doing here. God, we thank you for your loyalty, your faithfulness to us when we have been so unfaithful. In Jesus' name.